What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny Bush and Angelo coming at you to bring you the ideal landing spots for all of the top running back prospects in the 2022 NFL Draft. If you guys checked out uh, Thursday's video, we did this for wide receivers with PFF's Trevor Sykema. Today, we're joined by Angelo to talk about some running backs today. Interesting conversation. We're going to be talking a lot about these guys uh, throughout the entire draft process. You guys have heard most of our thoughts on them. We figured we'd get you know, a fresh set of eyes talking about his thoughts on the running back class. So, Angelo, I'll let you introduce yourself, tell people where they can find you, and then we'll get right into this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first, thanks for having me on again. I really appreciate it, man. I'm excited, excited to chop it up about these backs. Um, well, you can find pretty simply um, on Twitter at Angelo underscore fantasy. And then um, on my website, angeloanalysis.com, those are where all the, the threads, the profiles are. Um, as well as uh, the Ascension grading system, which, which grades out these backs, both on film and analytically. So uh, it's an exciting time of the year. I mean, we're, what, 18 days or so until the NFL draft. So we're finally going to get to learn these guys' landing spots. Yeah, exactly. That's the the fun part about this. Obviously, we can, you know, him and haw about these guys' draft capital. But once we actually get down to the brass tacks of where they're going, that's when the fun begins so uh if you guys enjoy this video at any point you guys know what to do hit the like button comment any of your thoughts down below maybe your favorite match make that you have for yourself uh and subscribe to the channel if you're new as well we're about you know 400 subscribers away from 10,000 right now we are trying to get there before the nfl draft so if you haven't already done so please hit the subscribe button and of course if you want more dynasty and rookie content our patreon is linked in the description as well now without further ado let's hit the intro Rules for this exercise basically are that you can only use each team and player once. So we're going to talk about the top running backs in order of grinding the mocks ADP and talk about where we have the match made, their ideal fit, their ideal landing spot, and then move on to the next guy. So we're going to start with the consensus running back one, Brees Hall from Iowa State. In my opinion, the best landing spot for Brees Hall is the place where he's going to get the most volume. And the reason I say that is because he was a workhorse in college. I think he's going to be a workhorse in the NFL. So to me, that landing spot, given about where he's going to go in the NFL draft, grinding the mocks has him at 41.7 in terms of his overall ADP. I think the best spot for him is the Houston Texans because they have absolutely no running backs of note on the roster. Brees Hall would walk into that situation at pick 37 in the NFL draft and be the go-to guy for that team. They need to add pieces around Davis Mills. They need to add pieces around potentially their future quarterback if they're looking towards the 2023 class. So I like Brees Hall to the Houston Texans to become their workhorse back. I pick 37. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I think it's interesting because when you, a guy like Brees Hall could go anywhere, I think from, you know, late day one, I think to, to day two. So for me, I actually have him going to the Eagles in a trade up in the second round. Uh, I think they need a three down caliber runner. I think Sirianni needs that for his offense schematically to work the way he wants it to work with how much success they had on the ground last year without one of those guys. And they ran at the highest rate in the league last year. And I think they actually want a piece that fits the mold of a three down back, one that can hit the home run, one that can be an adequate receiver and one that can protect Jalen Hurts when he needs to. And that's what Brees Hall kind of fits. Um, Brees Hall is my you know, number one running back in this class bar none. Uh, and I think that would be a really interesting fit, especially with Miles Sanders coming up on his end of his rookie contract and them unlikely to extend that. 
Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because we offhandedly off recording have mentioned a couple times that the surprise mm-hmm. team for Brees Hall that we haven't really been talking about has been the Eagles because of their situation with Miles Sanders, because of their propensity to want that guy to shoulder the load. So uh, I'll get into my Eagles spot or Eagles player uh, a little later. I, I think that's an also a very good spot. Same with Houston for my spot for Brees Hall. I mean, round one draft capital is what we start for in the fantasy community. Offensive installation is what we start for in the fantasy community. And the team that fits both of those criteria that could be in the market for a bell cow running back would be the Buffalo Bills at 25th overall. I mean, if we're talking about just a straight projectable offensive situation, like can you name five offenses in the NFL we expect to be more successful than the Buffalo Bills? You'd be hard-pressed to find that. And getting a runner, getting a receiver, getting a, a dual-threat running back that can affect the game in multiple facets the way Brees Hall can. I mean, this is a team that doesn't have too many needs as it is. If they want to go luxury, if they want to take a running back at 25th overall, I think Brees Hall would be an RB1 right off the bat with this team. So as a result, if we're talking about dream fantasy landing spots, like give me the one where he could legitimately score 300 fantasy points as a rookie. Yeah, like you got 15 plus touchdown upside as a rookie with with that type of offense. They have guys there, but they haven't really worked out to the extent that they probably hope. Devin Singletary played pretty well down the stretch last year, but um, they could still want to upgrade that position. Like you said, they don't have a whole lot of needs. I think everybody would probably agree with Danny's landing spot as like the dream fit, the ideal fit for for Brees Hall. I, I personally lean towards the side of volume with Brees Hall because we know that's how he made his hay at Iowa State at uh, being a workhorse. And I do think we talked about it, like Danny said, with Brees Hall, the the Philadelphia Eagles back when they had three first round picks before the trade with the Saints, there was a chance that you got all that first round draft capital. Yeah. The best player on the board could have been, you know, your number one running back, which we had to assume would have been Brees Hall. And if he went like top 20 in the NFL draft, then obviously he would have been, you know, bar none, the 101 in rookie draft. So um, let's move on from Brees Hall and get to the consensus RB2 for the most part. I think most people would have this guy RB2. 53.7 overall per grinding the mocks. Kenneth Walker from Michigan State. I I have him actually to the Buffalo Bills because I don't think the Buffalo Bills would spend their first round pick on a running back. I have him going, you know, around pick 57, or they maybe have to trade up in the second round to go get him. Kenneth Walker, I think he fits that scheme because I think Devin Singletary has developed well into a third down back and, and well into like a complimentary piece. Kenneth Walker, we know, doesn't have the receiving profile necessary to indicate that he's a you know a true three-down back at the next level. He also struggled in pass protection in college. So having those other guys there, Singletary, Moss, those other guys that can protect Josh Allen on third down and contribute as a pass catcher while Kenneth Walker develops that part of his game, I think would be a good fit for him. And obviously with Kenneth Walker, we know he can take long runs to the house at any time. We know he's very elusive. We know he's good through contact. We know he can score touchdowns. So having a, an offensive scheme, that is tailored towards that kind of play style. And you have a physical runner with Josh Allen at quarterback too, to complement that. I really like Kenneth Walker to the Buffalo bills um, in the second round, if they uh, choose to address the running back position there. No. Yeah. I, I, you hit the nail on the head. I think I have, I have actually the same one. I have the bills too. Uh, I think the number one thing is you want to take pressure off Josh Allen around the goal line. Um, he's your superstar quarterback. He's your, you know, he's the shining guy in that organization. So you don't want him taking those hits on the goal line. You don't want another Cam Newton type situation where his career just comes to a abrupt halt because of injury. And with Josh Allen, he's so good around the goal line that you want someone else to shoulder that load. And I think Kenneth Walker's that guy. Um, I don't know if he's going to fall to 57, but I think they're going to, like you said, I think he's a trade-up candidate. Um, 
because he's going to help them so much in the red zone and taking a load off Josh Allen um, as a rusher. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Uh, I mean, we both or all three of us actually have one of the top two running backs go into that Buffalo Bills situation. So uh, either way, whether it's Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker, I'm sure fantasy managers around the world are going to be very, very happy with that landing spot for either of those two backs. The landing spot I actually decided on with Kenneth Walker is the one that Brees Hall was for Bush. The Houston Texans, 37th overall pick, I think makes a ton of sense for Kenneth Walker. Uh, If you're talking about a situation, I mean, he can earn his volume over with Houston. Like, there is so much opportunity there. Like, Yeah, right now he is not the most profiled receiving back, which I'm sure with experience, with actual reps on the field, is going to help in that regard. So if you're putting him in a situation with Houston where, I mean, I'm not going to call it a lost season for them, but just having a season to see what you can get out of Kenneth Walker, see how you can develop Kenneth Walker and give him a situation where he can be a 20 touch per game type of running back. I mean, 37th overall draft capital. Can't argue with that. Can't argue with the volume with Houston. Yeah. Angela, we, if we feel like a broken record at this point, talking about Kenneth Walker's receiving skill set. what did you see? Cause you're more of a film guy. We're more numbers guys. So we focus on the profile on film. Did you see a guy that looks capable on third down? Did you see a guy that can pass protect when he's asked to and can catch the ball when he needs to? Yeah, I think he can. I think, I think the receiving thing is overblown in my opinion. I think he can be an adequate receiver. Um, when I was watching him at the combine actually run routes and, and, you know, you know, show his hands, you didn't see a guy that, was a like completely inept at doing so. And that's the number one thing is he's, is he an above average receiver? Probably not. He's probably average to slightly below, but that's okay. He's not going to be a 50, 60, 70 reception guy in the NFL. 30, 35 receptions might be a ceiling. Um, if he gets a three down roll and I think he can do that. The thing also is this is his first year um, at Michigan state in a full, like a full workload um, in terms of role. So, the pass protecting, all that stuff, more so at the NFL level, you're teaching, you know, you're teaching different keys and things like that. So that I don't worry about as much, um, as long as he shows the effort and the ability to learn that. You can do that. I think it was a few years ago when um, Dave Montgomery was a like top three pass protecting back in this class, um, and those are some concerns about him coming out of Iowa State. So that can be very well taught, um, but I'm not really concerned about you know Walker's receiving capabilities. Is it going to be? I'm a big part of his NFL production. I don't think so, but I don't think it's going to be a wart in his profile. Right, right. And I think we saw even to your point about him just having a full workload this year. We saw with Travis Etienne early on in his college career when he started getting a full workload. He wasn't a a contributing pass catcher. And then once towards the end of his college career, junior and senior season, he became a true threat out of the backfield, at least from a production standpoint. He was very productive from that perspective. So um, let's get into the final, I would say, tier one back of the class. Maybe you guys think the... You know, the top two guys are in a tier of their own after the combine and after the testing that we saw for Isaiah Spiller. But Isaiah Spiller, to me, still belongs in this conversation. I do think the other guys have, you know, kind of surpassed him because of their testing, because, you know, some of the film stuff that we've seen with those guys. But Isaiah Spiller, a guy that I have going to, I think, a system that fits him perfectly in the Atlanta Falcons. I think the Atlanta Falcons are in need of a physical, tough runner like Isaiah Spiller. Isaiah Spiller has, I'm curious, like, what your thoughts are in terms of his like instincts, because I, it's something that I'm not very comfortable mm-hmm. evaluating because I don't have a huge film background, but Isaiah Spiller, to me, when you just look at the peripherals, to me, he's the best receiving production back in this class. He has the best profile and from that regard. 
And he also profiles as the most physical, the best in pass protection as well from what I saw. So Isaiah Spiller going to the Atlanta Falcons, probably around pick 74 in the third round or something like that to mm -hmm. me makes a ton of sense. I do think this is probably a guy we're talking about in the third round of the NFL draft, probably not right. the first or the second round. Uh, what are your thoughts on Spiller's game overall and where do you have him going? Uh, I think he's an interesting back because he he has a lot of the movement tools that you look for in a starting caliber NFL running back, but where he's lacking is in the anticipatory qualities, right? He doesn't anticipate contact well, and he doesn't anticipate openings. Um, those are the two things you have to do to stay on the field in the NFL. We talked a little bit earlier today um, before the show about Miles Sanders, and that's where he really struggled. Um, the light bulb never turned on for him in that facet and it was really hurt his career, that can happen. That's in the range of outcomes for Isaiah Spiller is the game doesn't slow down enough for him from a cognitive perspective, and he gets bogged down into a secondary you know, or ancillary role. Um, that's my fear. I have him actually going to the Arizona Cardinals and falling to pick 87. Um, I think for me, a secondary role for him to start his career is probably best. Um I don't see him as a three down, three down back right now. Uh, I think he's better off learning and taking a couple years to grow into that role if that's something that NFL teams project him as. So for me, I'm not super concerned about, I'd say, the upside, but more so the downside of, of what Isaiah Spiller you know, could end up being. And also the durability is one thing I, I, I take issue with, too, when watching full full games of AM comes on and on the games a lot, you know, and that's something too, if you're trying to produce in the NFL, it's next man up. It's, they're not going to, you know, it, at AM, it's okay. You know, you're ready. Go back on the field. No, it's in the NFL. You're going to lose a lot of production. You're going to lose playing time. And that's my, one of my fears with him is he is such a tough runner. I don't think he understands. He doesn't need to take those hits. Right. And that's Chris the, Carson in his game then like from that yeah, perspective. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think he, I think to me, uh, he's the most, uh, the, I'd say the player that he reminds me the most of is Kenyon Drake, where really good in the open field, but leaves a lot of meat in the bone. Like there's a guy, there's a big, what if guy. Um, I think we have some like Kenyon Drake, Duke Johnson, those guys were always like, what if, what if they stayed healthy? What if he has a full workload? What if he developed, you know, a better anticipatory skill set. And that's my fear with Spiller. The upside is still there. I have him graded as the highest running back in this class in terms of movement toolbox. I think he's a fantastic mover in the open field, can make anybody miss. But are the other skills going to catch up to that? And that's the question that I have. And that's the difference between him and a guy like Josh Jacobs, for example, who I've seen people compare Isaiah Spiller to, who, I, in my opinion, Jacobs was just a much more instinctual, like looked more like an NFL yeah. running back. Sure. Same goes for a guy like J.K. Dobbins, who initially kind of stood out to me when I first watched Spiller, but I kind of cooled down. We've kind of collectively cooled down on Isaiah Spiller at first because yeah. he was our RB1 at first watch of these dudes. Then we watched, you know, Brees Hall a little bit more in depth, saw the athletic testing, saw the difference in, in athleticism between those guys and obviously the draft capital now. Looks like it's going to be pretty different. So, Danny, where do you have Isaiah Spiller going? I mean, you you mentioned it with your pairing. I have him here to the Atlanta Falcons, 74th overall pick. I mean, at the end of the day here, if we're dealing with day two draft capital, we want an opportunity for volume. And if we're talking about the Atlanta Falcons, like, are they going to run back that Cordero Patterson ex experiment? I mean, realistically here, you still want to feature him because he was that good last year. But do I expect him to be, you know, 
a full-fledged ball carrier that's getting 15, 20 rushing attempts per game, maybe it could happen. But until then, I mean, realistically projecting a 30-plus-year-old wide receiver who outside of last year didn't have an exclusive experience playing the running back position on a full down-to-down capacity, we'll see how that projects. But when you're talking about Spiller, I mean, you mentioned it. The instincts are the only thing that need development, that nuance, that natural feel for playing the position. But when you're talking about feet, when you're talking about pass catching uh, acumen, I mean, it's all there for Spiller to become an eventual three down running back. And I think Chris Carson's a really good example. I mean, we see Mike that. Davis, the guy he'd be replacing is also not a bad example either. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we, we saw Davis in a couple instances be and sustain top 20 level production when CMC missed time a couple years ago. I think that is the blueprint. If you can get Spiller into a situation where he can develop into a 15 to 20 opportunity per game type of back, I mean, you could be talking about a locked and loaded top 15 running back for the foreseeable future if he can develop into that role. Yeah. So let's get off of the you know perceived top three tier one or tier one and two type of running backs in this class. There's a lot, we were talking before the show that there's probably more depth in this class than there was last year. Last year, it was, you know, the ETN, Najee Harris, Javante Williams were the top guys. And then you had your Carters and your Sermons that were okay, but there wasn't a lot of Carters and Sermons in last year's class. There was only a couple of those guys. This year, it looks like we're going to get a lot more round three, round four draft capital running backs than we got last year. I believe Sermon and Carter might've been the only two running backs in Stevenson, I think too, that went in round three and four of the NFL draft. The first guy that we have here is James Cook. Uh, running back from Georgia. He's currently going off the board about pick 88 per grinding the mocks. I actually, back to the Philadelphia Eagles landing spot, that's where I have James Cook. I think complements what you kind of already have. If they still believe in Miles Sanders, again, if they don't believe in Miles Sanders, then they might go with a guy like Brees Hall, like you kind of talked about already. But if they still want to build out like a committee type of approach, James Cook fills a role that I don't think they have a whole lot of dynamic ability in right now, which is as a pass catching running back. So I like James Cook to the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, sometime in the late third round, they have two, uh, they pick 83 in the late third round and they have a compensatory third round pick. So they could address the running back position with one of those as well. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I think for me um, with the Eagles, it's, you know, how do they see Kenneth Gainwell developing? That, that's the biggest question there. If they're going to um, draft the back of similar skill set. Um, do they like Kenneth Gainwell after his rookie year? Uh, you know, he was okay. He was, he had a good rookie year. Um Better than he had a better year than Miles Sanders did. So yeah, it's it's you know like what where do they see him developing is the big question in Philadelphia. Do they want a and do they want a three down guy? Do they want another you know secondary piece they can plug in there? Um, for me, I have James Cook going to the Seahawks at one hundred nine. Um, I think it makes sense to me from the perspective of Chris Carson. We don't know if he's going to be even back with his Man. neck injury. Um, you know, you have Rashad Penny who's perceivably going to be, you know, he's going to be there last year. Um, but I think they need another guy to take his workload off. If it's just those two in particular, I think they need another guy who can take his workload off and then also be a pretty viable threat as a receiver. And yeah, it's a better a Homer, it's a better version of Travis Homer. A hundred percent, a more yeah. dynamic version of Travis Homer hit the nail on the head yeah. there. So uh, I like James Cook quite a bit. In terms of you know his film, he had you know he's he's a good running back. I, I don't know if he's ever going to get three down you know a three down workload, but he's someone that in the NFL offense like the Seahawks, they're in essentially a rebuilding phase. Um, I would like to see him be you know a third down back to start his career and then potentially work his way into a more significant workload. 
Yeah, I like both of those fits for bo- uh, for both of you with James Cook. The one I actually decided upon is uh, a team that Bush has uh, all behind him with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, you lost Ronald Jones. You're pretty. I mean, have you guys officially lost Gio Bernard? Or is that just gonna? I, I don't know. He wasn't very effective last. And they year, brought him but... back. They brought yeah, him. Back. He, I think he I is mean, back, but like he wasn't either. very effective. And I'm. They like to build out like a four stack of running back typically. Yeah. So we are missing a guy with Rojo gone. So either way, I mean, even if he's back, like realistically, like we're talking about washed up Giovanni Bernard, like there's opportunity to be that ancillary secondary piece behind Leonard Fournette. Whether you want to go, you know, the pure runner type of regard, I'm sure you'll probably get into later. I kind of opted for that guy that can take some of the food off of Leonard Fournette's plate on third down. Obviously, Leonard Fournette, he's an adept pass catcher. He's shown opportunities to work in volume in the past, but getting a more natural satellite if you will type it back to complement Leonard Fournette and his physical type of running style would be you know that thunder and lightning aspect here backfield and obviously with James Cook I mean from a pure third down reliability standpoint he's definitely somebody that I can see Tom Brady really really respecting really really appreciating even as soon as his rookie year yeah everyone will draw the James White comparison yeah. <laughs> if he goes there it'll be pretty easy for fantasy to see uh, James Cook go in the mid second round or something of, of rookie drafts for most people. Um, so moving on to another guy, this, this one actually took me 0.2 seconds to figure out the best landing spot for <laughs> Brian Robinson from Alabama. He is currently going off the board around pick 95, uh, per grinding the mocks. I have him going to the new Orleans saints at pick 98. It took me like three seconds to figure it out. Mark Ingram is old. Alvin Kamara took way too much, you know, punishment as like an early down runner last year. And you want to preserve that guy. He's getting paid a lot of money. He's obviously very effective in the passing game. I think what you want to do with Alvin Kamara is put him back in the role that he made so successful, where he is a satellite back that gets eight to 10 carries a game. But that's it. You don't want him taking, you know, 18 carries up the middle every single game. And for that, you need a physical runner like Brian Robinson, who can, you know, take that early down work away from Alvin Kamara. And I mean, Brian Robinson as a prospect is a hard eval because he wasn't productive really at all until his final year, until Najee Harris went off to the NFL, until Jacobs and Damian Harris, all the guys that he was behind at Alabama went off to the NFL. But he was good this year and he was effective and he looks you know, like a mature NFL caliber running back. And I think being from a big school, he's going to get pretty high draft capital by the NFL standards. They're going to look at you know James Cook from Georgia, Brian Robinson from Alabama, and be willing to invest in these guys mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe some of the smaller school prospects that we're going to talk about soon. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I, I think, Corey, when you talk about Brian Robinson, Saints is number one. I think that's going to be – they're going to add a secondary guy there, and I think it. Brian Robinson fits that mold. I think Zamir White, D- Damian Pierce, like those guys are, are, are the three I think fit there as a secondary piece to Kamara, a clear secondary piece of that. But I also think for him, I think a really good spot for him to land is going to be the Chargers at 79. I, I think Eckler needs a running Sim- Similar rationale. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, similar rationale between the, the, the dynamic pass catching back, who's a really good instinctual runner, but you don't want him to sh- continue to struggle with injury and durability. I think they nice. might add that guy early and reach on him. I mean, 79 is kind of a reach, I think, for Brian Robinson, but I think he's a he's a better overall player than I think a lot of us are, you know, are anticipating him being. I liked him. Actually, I took him in a Devi draft three, four years ago. Um, because one of the reasons I took him was his skill set as a receiver. And that's something he didn't show that much at Alabama, but he was a really good receiver. Um, good, good in pass protection, physical, obviously a really good between the tackles runner. 
he's one of those guys that's going to be, you know, take a lot of, you know, meat away from whoever is there on the goal line. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the saints is the number one spot. I'd also like the charges as well. He's kind of like Ramondre this year. He's like this year's Ramondre. He's like, you know, underrated as a receiver, big, good athlete for his size. Uh, Brian Robinson's interesting. I think we could be looking back, you know, a year from now and being like, Hey, this guy's worth, you know, a second round rookie pick. If you want to go trade for him, like what Ramondre sure. Stevenson is. And if he's behind, you know, Kamara, we've seen multiple backs be productive from that system before. So, uh, sure. Danny, where you got him going? Is it the chargers as well for you? Well, I actually have a different type of, you know, tone setting type of running back going to the chargers, uh, for my pick here, uh, for Brian Robinson, I have him going 83rd overall to the Eagles here. I mean, realistically here, you kind of mentioned that Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, you, you know, you're more satellite receiving type of archetype, getting just, you know, a physical between the uh, between the tackles runner like Brian Robinson to take away some of that load from Miles Sanders because we kind of saw last year that they did not trust Miles Sanders. They did not trust his mistakes. They did not trust his instincts down the stretch there. Getting a more, you know, veteran take away the load, you know, 15, 17 carry type of back the way Brian Robinson could represent for this Eagles team. Third round draft capital makes a ton of sense for me. Pair him up with this offense. I mean, we saw them have a ton of rushing success last year. Number one rushing offense in the league. And from a pure fantasy standpoint, realistically, Brian Robinson with the Eagles, there's a ton of touchdown opportunity there. You can't sustainably have Jalen Hurts be your only real rushing threat on the goal line. Getting a guy like Brian Robinson, a more physical well-built type of running back to take away some of that load from, you know, Gainwell and Scott, I think would be a perfect fit in the third round. He'd be like a perfect best ball pick if that happened. Yeah. Cause you know, he's going to score like nine rushing touchdowns. In oh, his rookie sure. year, so I love Damien Harris. Best ball pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, moving on to uh, what we would consider one of the final, like top fringe top 100 guys. Uh, you already kind of brought him up. Zamir white from Georgia. They got two backs this year that I think are both probably going to go on day two of the NFL draft mm-hmm. at some point. Uh, Zamir White, a guy that suffered a lot of injuries at Georgia, but tested really well. So I'm sure NFL scouts are are pretty high on him just from that perspective. I have him actually going to another team that, again, similar rationale to Alvin Kamara, similar rationale to Austin Eckler, (laughs) is in need of a guy to take away the early down work. I think they had, uh, this is the New York Jets. I think they had this role in mind for Tevin Coleman last year. But as we all know, that guy is complete dog water. He's completely garbage. And Zamir White represents a little bit of a youth factor there. And he is that early down guy. He's not going to contribute a whole lot on third down. Didn't have a lot of production in that regard. They used James Cook in that regard at Georgia. And Zamir White could be that for the New York Jets. He could be the thunder to the lightning of Michael Carter. Pick 69, pick 111, pick 117. They have a lot of picks in that range of the draft that they could use on a running back. And they've also shown the ability to trade down and stuff. So if they want to you know, trade down to the late you know, 90s or something. And pick Samir White at that point. I think that would make a lot of sense for the Jets. No, yeah, I agree with you there. I think they definitely need, you know, another back besides Michael Carter. Uh, that, that's going to be important for them, especially in the red zone. Uh, for me, I have him going to the Chiefs. Um, I think that's the one thing they don't have. They don't have the hammer. You know, no, I think he's kind of like Rojo, though. He's got a I, similar skill set. It, oh man, I, I, it's kind of. Um, Maybe I think not as mistake prone, but like I the think same skill set. So I think it's funny because Edwards Hilaire is a good NFL running back, good in his own scheme, really good pass catcher who's not used there, um, kind of miscast. But I think Ronald Jones is, you know, I I love his physical skill set, very similar to like Miles Sanders, where the physical skill set's great, good accelerator, good top end speed, awesome. But it's everything else between the ears, and we're talking a lot of the other things he makes mistakes on: pass protection, pass catching. Um, I think fumbling. they, I think yeah, fumbling. That's <laughs> I think the biggest reason why they're going to want a 
secure back on the goal line. Someone who who can get the job done so they don't have to do the, the tight end trick plays all the time Mickey that Andy Reid loves. Um <laughs> I think they I think they keep it simple and go Zamir White. Um in that fourth or fifth round, I think. I think that's kind of the the range for Zamir. Um but he's a good back. I think without injury, I think we're looking at a, a potential second round pick. Um, but I, he's just one of those guys. I think that's he's a zero in the passing game, which is fine. Um, but he can have 10, 12 touchdown upside in right offense. And the Kansas City Chiefs are one of the most high octane offenses in the league. Yeah, uh, for my Zamir White spot, uh, this draft capital range, forgive me, but I mean, either whether you want to peg him at 69th overall or you want to have him at 111th overall. Corey's New York Jets right there. Uh, the, the, the same comparison, the same fit. I do like a lot for Zamir White. I mean, the rationale, pretty simple. You have Michael Carter as your third down satellite type of role. Zamir White can be your punishing in between the tackles runner on first and second down. They need that type of presence. They need that type of runner. They need that type of early down contributor that as, as much as I like Michael Carter, he's just not going to be suited to play that role in the NFL. So as a result, get Zamir White, run this tandem backfield and have some fun with it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think they need to they they tried to kind of pigeonhole him into that in some games last year, and he actually got hurt the game that they tried to do it. So uh, I do think they want to use him a little bit more sparingly in the passing game, get him in the open field where he's best. Um, another guy that profiles as a pretty good receiver, the last of the top, the fringe top 100 guys, according to grinding the mocks is Rashad White running back from uh, Arizona State, a guy that, again, we're not going in order of rankings. We're going in the order that they're being mocked in the NFL draft. So a lot of you guys might have Rashad White ranked a lot higher than the guys we've talked about right now from a fantasy perspective. But I actually have Rashad White. I've seen people compare him to David Johnson because the profile is kind of similar, a guy that, you know, late in his career became a good receiving threat. I have him going to the team that drafted David Johnson <laughs> in the Arizona Cardinals. And I mean, James Conner is going to be a guy that is going to carry the workload on first and second down. Rashad White, I, I think he needs a lot of work as far as like instinctually as a runner. I don't think he's that developed in that area, but he is a very uh, equipped receiver and he was very productive as a receiver. You lost Chase Edmonds to the Miami Dolphins. You need to replace that role. So give me Rashad White to replace the Chase Edmonds role. Give him a little bit more size uh, as well um, on third down for the Arizona Cardinals, you know, on the, in the third, fourth round area, probably. Yeah, I like that a lot. I, th I think like no matter who goes who goes to the Cardinals? I think that it's a spot that they need a secondary back or someone to share the workload with James Conner in a 50, 50 split um, or so. But for me, I, I have a, a guy like Rashad white, one of the Texans. Uh, I think he has a three down skill set. I think he's more in the mold of carry on Johnson um, of a guy that can carry the workload can be the, the, the one a um, the first option in an NFL offense at the running back um, just needs some, some work and development and experience there. I think he has a lot of interesting qualities. He's a good receiver, not a great receiver, but I think he's good enough to command a, a pretty significant workload um, as a receiving back in the NFL. I think between the tackles, it's one of those things where he needs experience. We're not going to know what he is until he does it. So he hasn't had a lot of experience, obviously in college, he was, you know, sharing a workload with uh, DeMonte uh, Trainum, who's now a linebacker. Um, and then early on in his career, he was a, he was a junior college kid. So he's someone that's really interesting to me. I actually have him at my RB four um, above actually Isaiah Spiller on AGS. I have, I have, I have Isaiah Spiller higher than him on film. Um, but I think he's a, why it's an interesting back where you look at the size, the speed, the production, all he checks all of those boxes. So 
I think an NFL team's going to take a shot at him as, as potentially becoming a lead dog. The Texans make sense there if they don't want to spend a higher pick on those on those type of guys because they'll they'll be in the range of you know the Bryce Young and the C.J. Stroud next year, so they might be taking you know a little bit more help at receiver now that they resigned Brandon Cooks and getting you know besides Cooks and Nico Collins they need a second they need a third guy um, or a second guy at that to to have you know. Bryce Young or CJ Stroud come in and and develop as a passer in the NFL. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's a good spot for for White, and I think he can project into potentially a lead role in the NFL if he goes there. Two David Johnson replacement roles. I got him to the Cardinals, yeah. Texas. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. Uh, Danny, where you got Rashad White going? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I was literally just going to say uh, you guys have both the David Johnson landing spots. Well. Uh, I'm, the, I guess, the decider. I guess I'm the, you know, who, who am I giving the edge to? Uh, <laughs> at the Arizona Cardinals as well, 87th overall pick. I mean, th- those are the two, like, easiest spots to project. Not just because, you know, they're David Johnson's former spots, but you're talking about kind of in need of a receiving back. Obviously, with James Conner, we know the volatility from a health standpoint from a year-to-year basis. He's also an older back. He's going on 27 years old right now. It's also a short-term deal, too. It's not a long-term like There's more risk in that deal than people want to recognize. And at least getting with Rashad White, you know that for the most part, James Conner's going to handle probably about, you know, 65 70% of the work. But any type of work that Rashad White's going to get is going to be valuable work. We saw that last year with Chase Edmonds. And who knows, 2023 and on, if Rashad White has a good development year, you know, feeling comfortable in an NFL system, feeling comfortable working on third down, potentially incorporating an early down rule into his game. I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up taking over the committee by 2023. Yeah, that would make some sense. I think he needs to go to a spot like kind of um, we said for Spiller where he can develop an early down skill set because I don't think he currently has it. He's a guy I'm more so looking at in the mid second round of rookie drafts as opposed to like the late first early second round where I've seen him go because the athleticism is there. The receiving skill set is there. I just need to see him develop more as a runner, get some more experience in that regard. So um, let's get into the day three, guys. Um, We'll go as many as we can get through. Um, We'll try and try and uh, wrap this thing out around 45 minutes. I want to talk about my my favorite day three guy, and then we'll talk about Angelo's favorite day three guy. My favorite day three guy is is Tyler Algier. He's currently my RB4 in the class right now. Tyler Algier, to me, the reason I like him is the same reason I liked Elijah Mitchell last year. It's because he has a well-rounded skill set. I think he can do everything well i don't think he's the most laterally quick and athletic back in the class but a seven seventy seventh percentile relative athletic score according to math bomb is good enough for me my comparison for him is james robinson i think he's a physical runner i think he's elusive enough i think he can contribute enough as a receiving back and is very very good in pass protection as well probably one of the best in the class that i've watched so far um i think an nfl team is going to like that about him and a team that needs a guy that is good in pass protection because everybody on their roster stinks in pass protection is the Kansas City Chiefs because Clyde <laughs> Edward Tiller stinks at it, and so does Ronald Jones. So give me Tyler Algier, a guy that can, like to your point, uh, be a goal line back for that team, a consistent goal line back. He was very productive for Zach Wilson in the BYU offense the past two years in that role, and a guy that is going to be more consistent. And and if Ronald Jones makes mistakes and if Clyde Edward Tiller makes mistakes, you have a reliable guy like Tyler Algier, who's been an experienced workhorse in the past if they wanted to move that. And he also gives you a physical running element that I think they should have taken in 2020 with Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, no, you kind of have to nail on the head too. I mean, I think it's 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 important for that team to, to have someone A that can protect the passer, which is a pretty premium passer in Patrick Mahomes, um, and while also pick up some of the goal line work. 
and that's going to be important for them short yardage situation. So for me, I had Algier going to the Cowboys. Uh, I think Zeke <laughs> Zeke has X amount of tread left, um, and I think that might be Tony Pollard's backfield in the near future, and he needs a running mate. Um, I think that might be Algier. He's a he's a guy that does a lot well. I don't think he's a particularly you know like enticing back in terms of talent, but I think he's someone that can give you enough to where he's a secondary back in this league for a long time. And that's okay. Um, who can play a lead role when he's called upon. Um, for me, my, I guess my big day three guys, Pierre Strong Jr. I, I absolutely love what I see from Pierre Strong Jr. He's on film. He's my RB three overall in AGS. He's my RB two. Um, for a few reasons. I think the immediate production is, is pretty incredible. When you look at it, you're talking about a guy who had over 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns, an average nine and a half yards a carry, a carry as an 18, 19 year old freshman. Um, obviously, he plays in Division One AA um, with the with the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State. <laughs> but what you're looking at for smaller school guys is them to dominate, and he dominated for for years. His career yards per carry is around seven and a half, um, and he's a guy too that's a four three seven forty guy. He's he's a spectacular fit in a wide zone scheme like the Atlanta Falcons. Um, he's someone I think that can be a premier Pro Bowl type running back in the right situation, similar to how Elijah Mitchell is in you know the 49ers right now. I think he's pretty much in the mold of Tony Pollard, where he's going to be a guy I think that can can shoulder the workload um, and be the focal point of an NFL offense good receiver, really good instincts and economy. Uh, he's just one of those – he's one of those guys that can hit a home run at, at any single play. Um, I'm a huge fan of his game, so I'm really – I'm going to be really intrigued to see where he goes and what day he lands on. I think he had such an impressive pre-draft process, especially when he was uh, when he was at um, the, the Shrine Bowl, um, the Shrine game. That week, you know, he showed his, you know, his acumen as a receiver. Um, in the one-on-one -on -one drills and, and, and showing he can be an adequate pass catcher. Took a 60-plus yard screen to the house during that game, too. Um, so he showed he belonged athletically amongst some pretty amongst some other athletes that are pretty solid. So for me, man, I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing where he gets drafted. I think he can go anywhere from round three to round five. Um, but I'm hoping it's round three in my case. So, um, But, yeah, I think he's, he's one of those guys, kind of like Elijah Mitchell last year when you're projecting a guy that, that can be – obviously Elijah Mitchell's – perfect storm where he most or Jeff Wilson goes down. You're, you're that third guy. Trey Sermon was hurt too. Uh, I hope that he goes to a situation strong goes to a situation that, that he can succeed right away and kind of show the type talent he has. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely love that. I'll get into my comp for a second, but for the record uh, with Algier, I had paired with the Miami dolphins. I mean, similar thing. You can't really trust upon Raheem Moser to handle that full, early down type of role. Obviously Chase Edmonds is kind of pigeonholed into that third down type of role, getting, you know, a, a bigger physical back that can really complement this McDaniel scheme. I think Algier can do to a T hundred second overall makes a ton of sense for Algier in terms of Pierre strong. You kind of mentioned before we started recording about Tony Pollard. And I think that he would be, I mean, pending draft capital, I don't know exactly where he's going to end up going for purpose sake. It says a 154.3. Let's just say hypothetically that was the range. So, Dallas Cowboys, 155th overall pick. I mean, he does have that Tony Pollard type of skill set. You have, 
you just add a lot more dynamic ability, dynamic breakaway ability in this backfield by adding Pierre Strong. That when Pollard was banged up last year, when Pollard was dealing with you know the little injuries at the middle of the season mark, Zeke doesn't have that breakaway ability anymore. Point simple. You take Pierre Strong fifth round. He could be your RB3 out of the way. And we kind of saw that the RB3 in Dallas did get some snaps at times, but more so this is an insurance piece if Pollard were to miss time. Or if Zeke missed any time, guess what? You have two dynamic breakaway threats on what should be one of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL. Also a ton of scoring opportunity, might I add. Pierre Strong, sleeper. Uh, not not D'Angelo because he's super high on him as well. But for the most part, for the general community, they don't realize how electric this back is. And in a situation like Dallas where he can, you know, take his time, learn behind Pollard, learn behind Zeke, and then ultimately still have that breakaway ability to contribute when he's called upon, you can't ask for much more than, you know, what should figure into the third round of your rookie drafts. Yeah, I uh, Angelo's making me want to watch some Pierre Strong film, so I might need <laughs> you to link me some full Jackrabbit games Facts. because there is like literally no film on planet Earth that I can find for Pierre Strong. <laughs> I, but I he looks his great on paper. Is fun. His, his profile, profile looks so awesome fun. on paper. <laughs> Aside from the small school, like and and the fact that he's a bit older, he looks really good on yeah. paper. So uh, I really like that for Pierre Strong. Hopefully, he uh, becomes one of these sleeper backs that emerges out of you know round three, round four, round five of the NFL draft and becomes uh, a very productive guy. Speaking just quickly on your Dallas Cowboys uh, landing spot, I actually have Zonovan Knight going there. Uh, Bam Knight, to me, has pound for pound the best feet in this entire class. I think he's the most elusive back in the class. When you watched him run the bag drills at the Combine, Daniel Jeremiah just goes, wow, that was outstanding, like on the thing. like he, The guy has like Cam Akers feet. He doesn't have Cam Akers athleticism, and he doesn't have a lot of other things like Cam Akers, but he has very, very good uh, elusiveness, and I, I like um, Bam Knight to be you know, the, the succession plan to Tony Pollard because Tony Pollard is coming up on his contract. So um, he could be the new Tony Pollard a couple of years from now uh, in that offense. So that's where I have, uh, you know, as, as far as the Dallas Cowboys, let's go one more time around the horn. One more day three guy that you like the landing spot of. I actually two. like uh, Tyler Beatty to the Denver Broncos uh, to be okay. the third down guy there because Javante Williams, as much as I love him, as much as I think he'll be a three down workhorse, they can't have nobody behind them. Like they can't have like it's it's just it, it's malpractice in the NFL to think that you know you can rely on any running back to be a, a full workload guy and last as the duration of his rookie contract with sure. just him in that backfield. So give me a guy that can contribute as a pass catcher, just as a pure you know satellite back. Beatty tested pretty well. He was kind of like the uh, the anti Kyron Williams from that perspective. So uh, pick ninety six, pick one fifteen, pick one sixteen. They have a lot of picks in that range. I think that's when they're going to address the running back position, whether it is, you know, a, a pass catching type like Tyler Beatty, whether they want to go with a more physical guy like Damian Pierce or somebody like that. I really like Beatty to the Broncos in the the fourth round sometime. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. Um, Tyler Beatty is interesting, interesting back. I mean, analytically, I mean, dude is off the charts. Yeah. <clears throat> Had a really good season last year in the SEC at that. But yeah, for me, my day three, my day three back is going to be Keontae Ingram to the Jets. Um, I'm a huge Keontae Ingram fan. I think when he was at Texas, he was one of the one of the better backs in the nation. Actually, um, I, exactly. <laughs> go, that's right. You're I forgot you're a Horns fan. Um, but yeah, I think he's one of those guys that's not getting enough buzz. Um, he's one of those backs that he's three down skill set, really good receiver for, and he played at Texas at 235 pounds too. Uh, slimmed down when he went to USC, and I think he's weighs around like 215 to 220 right now. But he also tested pretty well. I mean, he's a guy who ran around four or five flat, um, has the receiving chops, good in pass protection, good inside zone runner, 
um, has a really intriguing lateral skill set for a bigger back. And that's what really pops with him on tape is he he has he can make a lot of guys miss in open space. He's a pretty broad toolbox in terms of bandwidth. Um, I like him a lot. And I think that he's going to be a day three steal. Um, I think he's a day two talent. Um, but I think he's going to be a day three steal for a, for a team. Um, he can go anywhere from round, I'd say probably round five to undrafted. So that's kind of the interesting thing is I think he has a little bit of like James Robinson um, ask in him in, in terms of that. I think he's a late round guy that can be a steal in that sense. So um, yeah, I'm interested to see, you know, where he goes. He kind of reminds me of, in terms of style, kind of like an Alex Collins type back where he's one of those guys that can hold, hold down the fort, I guess, and, and be that dude um, in the NFL offense um, with the Ravens. I think Alex Collins actually did pretty well before he got hurt. Um, Tony back. But um, but yeah, and so I, I'm a big fan of Ingram's. I think he's a especially you know in dynasty drafts, you know, fourth fourth round, fifth round. I mean, take your shot if he goes to a good offense. So uh, I'm excited about him, man, and, and see what he can do in the preseason. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly say about this class is that like once you get to like the 207, 208 range, like we kind of did it in some mock drafts. It's just spin take the a guy that you believe in. <laughs> Like just right. take the guy that you think is talented, and I mean he's got as good a chance as anybody to end up being right. a contributing asset on your fancy team. I'm gonna quickly say two names because I, I guess on the first wrap around I, I forgot to say my own because I was too busy talking about your guys' ones. But uh, for my first one, I mean you're talking about a physical tone setter. You're talking about a guy that can contribute on the early downs, can grind out some yards, tough yards that you don't want Austin Eckler taking. Los Angeles Chargers, 123rd overall, I think would be a perfect spot. For Damian Peters, that lack of a you know game that we've seen from Kelly, we've seen from I mean Justin Jackson's more so in your Austin Eckler Roundtree. profile anyway. Anyways, Larry Roundtree, like all those guys are jags. At least with Damian Pierce, you're just recycling. You're 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 recycling that dart throw. You're taking another chance, fourth round draft capital for a guy that showed a physical edge in college at Florida. So I think 123rd overall makes a ton of sense for Damian Pierce. One of the more elusive backs in the class on a per yeah. touch basis too, which is sneaky about him. And the, I mean, the other one I have here, I mean, you, you talked about James cook to the Seahawks. I actually had Kyron Williams to the Seahawks, same type of role. Yep. You know, you put him on third down, you're hoping he's a better version of Travis Homer to really complement, you know, that first and second down ability of Rashad Penny getting a guy who, Let's be honest, like Kyron Williams giving us testing, he's going to have to make his hay in the passing game as a natural adept pass catcher on third downs because realistically, that's what his profile would indicate at this point. Given his speed, given his size, he has to be a satellite back to work in the NFL. His range of outcomes went from lead back, potential, you know, every now type of back before the combine to what, like a James White type of role, which if you landed in a James White type of role with Seattle, who's missing that presence on third down currently, I think would be perfect for him. So talking about fourth, fifth, sixth round, whatever his expected draft capital is, I think that would be the ideal spot for Kyron. Yeah, that's actually where I put Pierre Strong, by the way, was the Seattle Seahawks um, as, a, as a cursory role. Like we have Penny on a one-year deal, Chris Carson, injury prone, one right. year, be a third down back or a, um, you know change of pace back for the first year and then maybe take over the workload going forward. So uh, two more guys that we just didn't talk about that I just want to get yeah. your thoughts <laughs> on because some of them have cult followings r randomly. Like, there yeah. are some people very high on Kevin Harris. He wasn't actually on this uh, on this list uh, sure. because he's not going very high in the actual draft and the mock drafts and stuff. What did you What did you think about Kevin Harris? And does he have any kind of upside? Because I wrote his draft guide uh, write up for BDG. Uh, Nick Urcolano had me write some write ups for him, and 
I saw I, I saw a Jag. I didn't think he had a whole lot of juice, a whole lot of lateral agility. He tested, mm-hmm. you know, okay for his size. He's a big back, but what were your thoughts on uh, Kevin Harris from South Carolina? I mean, very linear driven runner. I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to ever catch on to a significant role in the league. Um, the durability issues is what really – um, I guess worries me with bigger backs. Like if you're a bigger back and you're not durable, then you know you can't shoulder the heavy workload, and that's that's really important from a volume perspective when you're talking about those bigger guys. That's what you want, right? You want the volume with those guys. Like James Robinson, bigger back, did a great job his rookie year with that workload. Um, was a good pass catcher, but I think with a guy like Kevin Harris, like with Harris, it's it's more so like like he's probably going to be a UDFA or seventh round guy, which is okay. But I don't know if he's going to be a needle mover in the NFL. Um, that's kind of my fear. And with, with the durability issues, uh, I don't see a giant, like a big lateral skill set with him. Um, everything's pretty linear. He's a good college back, but I think that's kind of where it stops. I didn't even think he was that good of a college back, to be honest. I, I saw like my comp for him was Larry Roundtree. Like speaking of Larry oh, Roundtree, like I just don't think he's a like I just didn't see like he tested a lot better than I thought. Like yeah, I was like right, this guy right. was slow and you know like a jag on tape. The last guy that I want to get your thoughts on because I think we've pretty much covered every running back in this class is uh, Jerome Ford because he does have a little mm-hmm. bit of a he went to a big not a big school but like a team that did very well this year in uh, Cincinnati. I had him actually going to the Dolphins. Like I did match him up with somebody so. What are your thoughts on Jerome Ford? I, I kind of saw a similar type of player, a guy that is more of like a linear runner that has like home run speed. He was expected to test, you know, really, really well coming into the combine. Ran a solid time, but not like anything crazy. People were like, oh, this guy might crack, you know, like four threes or something like that. Yeah, no, he, he was a track star, man. He's an Alabama guy too. So he's a transfer from Alabama, Cincinnati. So I, I think he's an interesting one because he's a, I think he's going to be a wide zone threat in the NFL. I think he's fits the Dolphins mold of what they want. Um, I would also love Pierre Strong there because I, you know, you know, Raheem Mostert, phenomenal back. I mean, if he's healthy, he's a thousand plus yard guy. No Is, does Strong have Raheem Mostert like comp in his, you know, range of outcomes? Because he kind of like, I mean, size wise and speed wise seems pretty similar. Raheem Mostert has rare speed, and that's he's a you know a, a 10-2 guy in the hundred, twenty point six guy in two hundred, rare speed at the position. Um, we're gonna see a guy next year in um, the Von A chain. Um, yeah, yes, Spillers, Spillers running mates got some speed. Who's, who's an absolute He's burner. So much fun. But I mean, th- that's a different type of speed than what most NFL running backs have. Pierre Strong has, I would say, like 90th percentile speed for position. We're talking 99th percentile speed for Raheem Mostert. Yeah. Um, Jerome Ford is kind of in that same mold. I think he has the best top end speed in this class, the position actually, um, which it, at running back doesn't matter too much. But in a scheme that's pretty advantageous to getting you got getting your guys in open space, like the Dolphins are likely to have in the next couple of years, I think that's a really good fit for him. Um, but again, he's a guy who can go from round four to undrafted. So the range of outcomes are pretty vast. I think it's going to be, you know, can't does a team see him filling that role and um, remaining durable and filling it well? Yeah. One last guy, and then we will get out of here just because I just thought of this because he is like, he's probably going to go undrafted. I don't think this guy's going to get drafted, but the one guy I want to keep an eye on just because he's intriguing. He was a very productive freshman at a huge school like Ohio State. Master Teague tested so well at his he's huge too. Yeah, and he's a brick shit house. Like this guy yeah, is massive. Dude. Like he, obviously when you have to make so many excuses for why a guy wasn't productive, he was behind JK Dobbins and then he was behind Trey Sermon and then he was behind this guy and that guy. And you know, mm-hmm. um, 
whatever his name is, Travion Henderson. Like when sure. you have to make that many excuses for a guy, he's probably not that good. And the, the injuries obviously are a concern for him too. But is he is he a good fourth round dart throw? Because I think he's a guy that I think fourth round of your rookie drafts, say he gets picked in the seventh round, goes UDFA to a good team or something like that. He's a guy that I'm probably going to throw a dart at. Sure. I'd ever take my shot at Keontae Ingram in the fourth round. I think I think you can take your pick between those two guys. Uh, I'd ever take the guy who's actually showed it, especially the receiving skill set. That's the right. biggest thing. You're looking at a, you know, if you're looking in the fourth round of rookie drafts, you you the finding a good runner is okay, but good runners need good value. Right. Um, at that stage in your rookie drafts, I think with, with and without like, an injury and in draft capital, exactly. you're probably not going to get it. Yup. With Ingram, you, you want the receive, you want the receiving upside, that type of workload, um, who shows the multidimensional skill set. Uh, Master Teague is going to be a, he's, I think he's just a guy, man. He's okay. He, but my I, I ears take, perked up when I saw the picks and the athletic testing. I'm like, eh, maybe this is a guy that we need to pay. Yeah. Attention. Yeah. I mean, athletically, I mean, it, it, yeah, I think that's a big, I mean, he's huge. I mean, he's a big dude. I mean, you said it, um, but I, I don't know, man. I, he's, I'm not looking to draft him in any of my rookie drafts. Um, I'd rather take the swing at Ingram in the fourth round and, you know, I have Ingram actually pretty high because I think he's a high risk, high reward guy. Um, but yeah, I've ever take the swing at Ingram and, you know, you'll put Pierre strong. If he falls to the fifth round, you can probably get him in the fourth round of your rookie draft. So I'd rather take a swing at both those two guys. The last thing I'll say, and it's two things. First of all, I mean, the, the problem with Master Teague is, I mean, if you're talking about just straight production, in the receiving game, like Keontae Ingram, 25 plus reception type of back. Master Teague, 11 total receptions in his career. Yeah, that's so bad. That's uh, especially for a guy who's, what, 23 years old now? Like, that's, yeah, no, no. that's a little sketch. But uh, I just, I saw the pick on Twitter. I got excited. I'm like, maybe oh. somebody likes him because, like, nobody does. It's like, it's like if you ask somebody if they like CJ Verdell still, like, nobody likes that guy either. They were once productive freshmen that we were excited about. And that, that was pretty much it. The the last player I'm gonna ask about is uh I had to I had to rep my Michigan Wolverines. I had to rep, you know, the tone setters around the world. But uh yeah. what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on Hassan Haskins? Productive. I think that's the one thing I can, you know, like the number one thing that comes to mind is productive. He produced a, I mean, he was actually pretty damn good when you watched that Michigan team. Yeah. Um is he an NFL athlete? And will he get drafted is the question. Those are the two questions I have. And I think the answer to both of those might be no. Is he a good collegiate running back? Yeah. Damn good. Is he tough, physical? Yep. Is he going to be that guy on NFL field? That's the question I don't have the answer to. But we'll find out if he's if he's a UDFA, then you kind of know that he's just, you know, yeah. he's just a dude. But uh, yeah, this class is pretty deep with those dudes, yeah. though. You know what I'm we, saying? There's like four like, guys we could still bring up. We could still talk yeah. about Kennedy Brooks. We could still talk about Ty Chandler. We Tyler could still Goodson. talk. Uh, sorry, what did you say? Tyler Goodson. Yeah, he, Tyler. Yeah, Goodson, Goodson Brian Kopach. There's a lot of guys. There. The old Miss backs, Snoop Conner, and Ely. Like, there's a lot of dudes. A lot of dudes, sure. man. Yeah, Who's that Andre one? White. There's still like, it, it's crazy how many Who's backs. Yeah. Class. It's, it's really all going to come down to draft capital with these guys. Because I think we're going to see, you know, running backs galore on day three of the draft, because I think there's just a lot of, you know, there's a lot of decent ones yeah. round kind of talents in this class. Sure. Yeah. Well, well, so, um, thanks for joining us, Angelo, as always, we like to get your insight, uh, tell everyone again where they can find your work. And, uh, yeah, I believe you're doing your Y series again with the top prospects. So, uh, I don't know if any of those are free to read for those, uh, 
you know, people that want to check those out as well. Yeah. First, uh, thanks for having me again. I, I really appreciate it guys. Thank you for reaching out. Um, but yeah, you're right. The Y series is, is it's begun. So we're, we're <laughs> in week, what, like five now. So, uh, each week is a free profile. So this week's, um, was Traylon Burks. So his is still free until, um, until the end of the day, until I upload um, the George Pickens one, and that one's going to be free. The Pickens one's going to be free um, probably around like 4 or 5 p.m. Central today. So that that's kind of what I'm I'm looking at there. And then Pierre Strong Jr.'s uploaded today. You know, all the all the major players in this class in terms of running back receiver are uploaded, uploaded on AGS and their profiles on Angel Analysis. So, um, yeah, man, I'm excited. It's, it's, it's just a fun time of year. We have less than 20 days to the NFL draft, so – I'm really looking forward to watching my Chicago Bears mess it up again. So, hey, we might well, we're we're gonna be live for the draft. If you're not doing anything when the Bears are on the clock, we might pop oh, you in God. here. On they don't pick until day two, right? So we can. You might not want me in. in the- <laughs> Forty-eight. <laughs> who's the doomsday? Who's the I think it's thirty-ninth. Thirty-ninth. That's it. Thirty-ninth. Okay. Who's the doomsday pick if they pick somebody at thirty-nine? And you're like doomsday. Yeah. Oh God! If they take Christian Watson, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> I actually had. Uh, I'll be Watson honest. I'll be. I'll be them. very upset. I, I would. I mean, if they. So I'll only be upset if it's like Christian Watson and George Pickens both on the board and they choose Watson. I'll be so upset. I'll be so upset. I'll be unconsolably upset. Uh, yeah, my quote unquote dream second round pick, uh, like at the beginning of the offseason, you're never getting like, Sky Moore. I would let me dude. just you're not going to get Sky Moore at, at the beginning of the offseason. It looked potentially decently reasonable, but now, like, no, no, I, I he's gonna let hope. He's, he's, I think he's, he's a first round pick. pick. I think he's gonna go in the top 40 yeah. for sure. Yeah, he's a he's a stud. Well, his absolute floor would be what, like, the Giants, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, my dude, he's, he's is that the Bucks Shepherd pick mold Christian too, yeah. Watson too. Yeah, Sterling Shepard mold, yeah. Yeah, I mean he's a, the Bucks got small school stuff, receivers. Though. I'm scared they're gonna pick Christian Watson at twenty. I hope so. <laughs> oh, I'd be okay I'm with it actually. Scared. I don't care. I mean, I, I'm <laughs> hey, you take him off the board for the I Bears. I don't want him on the board offense. anyway. It's fine. All that mumbo jumbo aside, again, appreciate you for coming on. Your Twitter's on the screen. They can check out your work. I need to get you to link me some South Dakota State film in the DMs. Yeah. If you guys enjoyed this video, as always, like the video, comment any of your thoughts down below, what your favorite fit was of the video, maybe somebody that we didn't talk about. I don't know if that's possible because we talked about pretty much every running back in this class. Subscribe to the channel if you are new as well. Again, we're trying to get to 10,000 subs by the NFL draft. We got about 18 days or so to get there. Uh, Also, check out underdogfantasy.com, promo code FSE. They are official sponsor of this channel. Uh, We'll get you 100% match back on whatever you put in. 50 bucks on the site, you'll get $100 to play with. As a thank you for that, you'll also get our Dynasty Rankings Manifesto with our Rookie Rankings, Superflex, one quarterback, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, uh, bucketed rankings by age. That'll all be free to you for using our code over on Underdog Fantasy. If you haven't already signed up yet, go ahead and do that. And again, Patreon listed in the description as well for any other Dynasty Rankings and needs that you might have. So with that being said, peace out, guys. We'll talk to you soon.